Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Last class session we talked about the private life of Sherlock Holmes and this class session we're going to talk about a film called Avanti. Um, Avanti is the story of a man who goes to Italy to claim his father's body but finds out far more about his father than he ever wanted to know really. Billy, Billy considers this to be a European film. Um, he says in Nobody's Perfect, he says, I directed it in, in Italy with mostly Italian actors and technicians. What makes one film European and another American? Renoir said the difference was an American film moves smoothly in a direct way towards its goal, while a European film goes indirectly in a roundabout way to get wherever it's going. And I think that's a fair description of Avanti. And that, but that European um, nature of the film really took hold in a lot of ways and, and, and became massively important to the film, both from a logistical standpoint and a, and, um, and a storytelling standpoint as well. I'm going to give you a little bit about the logistics here. Um, this comes from Billy Wilder interviews from the interview Apropos Avanti. What may stand out to some is that there is an Italian character in the film that is played by a British man. And the reason Billy went in that direction was because none of the Italians he looked at were good enough at speaking English to, to, to fit the role. Billy says it this way. He says, none of those actors had a sufficient, ma a sufficient mastery of English to play to the rhythm of this film. They would have slowed the action. They wouldn't have hit the ball back fast enough to lemon from the other side of the net. You also have to consider that I that I shoot 5,000 miles from home, outdoors with foreign technicians, and if something goes wrong, it's a catastrophe. In Hollywood, I can change an actor from one day to the next. Abroad, I can't expose myself to risk. I must be on solid ground. And that's 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 part of the issue with taking on, not only taking on a European film in terms of mentality, but taking on a European film as in literally shooting it in Europe. You have to be a little bit safer because you are on unsure ground with much of this, especially with so much of it being shot outdoors. Weather comes in, you know, and messes you up for a week. Well, what are you going to do? You know, um, so you have to you have to find ways to make things safe for yourself. Um, but there's a much deeper reason that this film is European, not just that it was shot in Italy. He says. Um, this film, for example, even though I didn't photograph scenes of Ischia or things like that, tries to mix the dramatic story in a larger context. I couldn't have shot the film anywhere but Italy. And it's that mix that makes it very European. He says there are these black touches as if well orchestrated could give the film its originality. They're all, there are also all sorts of counterpoints of shadow and light, of laughter and moments of tenderness. For example, he um he describes a scene um, with actress Juliet Mills on the streets of Ischia. He says, There's a setting where I wanted to evoke the magic of an Italian countryside inundated with sunlight, the manner in which it touches a young girl who never lived, who lived her whole life in a damp and cold country. In this way, we're, we're preparing her for evolution, but without transforming the sequence into Debbie Reynolds go to, goes to Ischia, because it has a certain bite. And that bite, it's the girl who buys four ice creams in front of three small children and eats all four herself. It's the fisherman who want her. It's the coroner who pinches her bottom. The slightly acidic commentary avoids riding off into the sunset. In the same fashion, throughout the film, I play with cadavers to remove all the sugary aspects from it. I'm taking a risk, of course. If I, if I did not have that element in Ivanti, I would have the old story of the romance in Italy. But the fact that he's busy, that he discovers his father's past, etc., gives the story its force and its spice. 
this balance allows us to give to have big openly romantic scenes now, this is maybe one of the most important aspects of storytelling that almost everybody we've talked about and it talks about this idea of contrast of counterpoint that you can't have a film be one note throughout it needs to be there needs to be things that play counter to that you know, he talked about cadavers and having openly romantic scenes. He talked earlier, uh, these counterpoints of shatter and light, laughter and tenderness, this kind of, this, this sort of playing in both worlds, which is so massively important for storytelling because, I mean, even if you have a theme, if the, if the theme is people are generally good, then you need to have someone in that film and moments in that film that say the opposite, that people are generally bad because good has to triumph over something. You know, this is why... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying not to get on the soapbox, but I just have to say this real quick. This is part of the reason that I'm so blown away by people who assume that the message of the film is being sent by the antagonist when they're not the one who wins out in the film. I mean, if if you're going to break down movies in terms of message, then you need to look at it from the protagonist, not the antagonist. You know, there's people now who watch Blazing Saddles and say it's a racist movie. It's only the antagonists in that film that are racist. And they lose. I, clearly, the, the film stars a black hero. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm truly blown away by this. But this idea that the counterpoint needs to be so, so ever-present. That there needs to be one thing and the other. And, 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 and the idea that they will play off of each other in a way that allows you to go bigger in some places than you would in others. Like he says, this balance allows us to have big, openly romantic scenes without turning it into Debbie Reynolds goes to Ischia. You know, or without it becoming the old story of, a, of, of romance in Italy. I mean, that would be so tired, so boring. But because he counterpoints it with these, with these, with these darker moments, with these black comedy moments, you know, with these kind of this 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 very important mix and giving it that certain bite you know it, it it allows him to avoid as he says here avoid riding off into the sunset you know and that is so massively important now there's one other thing um that i want to talk about and i'm going to be totally transparent here it doesn't really fit with this movie it fits with all billy wilder movies and and, and i've pulled it very specifically because it's something i want to talk about um, and something that, that, that Billy has helped teach me, and it's something that I'm trying to learn, and, 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 and I want to share it with everybody. Now, this comes from, um, this comes from Conversations with Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder says, Billy Wilder describes storytelling like this. He says, just like taking medicine, you just say, stick your tongue out, and there's a little something there, and then you swallow it, and you don't even know what you, that, that you have done it. But if you can make the exposition, the rules of the game, clear and yet obtuse to the onlooker, he just does not know what's going, what, what's happening to him. He does not know that behind that laugh, there hides a story, a plot point. The softer, the funnier the plot points, if you can make the plot points entertaining, they swallow that medicine. Tell them, But tell them it's going to be wonderful. Tell them that it's going to be better than Pepsi-Cola. Just take it. Drink it. You should not do it two or three times in a row. That is too much. Then they notice. So you see... You can hammer on it, but if you make them swallow that, then you are okay. But you have to have some funny stuff in between, naturally. Billy learned this from Lubitsch. Billy understood that the most invisible storytelling technique 
was to hide the story behind the laughs, behind the dramatic moments, behind something that, that, that so that the audience, by the end of it, they couldn't be ahead of you because they didn't even realize that they had taken in these plot points this whole time. And that's part of the thing of storytelling is, is, you know, a lot of people are trying to be ahead of the audience and it's so hard now because the audience, the audience is so used to these old tricks, but if you can hide the plot point and laugh, you know, in a, in a moment of great drama or emotion, then like he says, it's just like taking medicine. You don't even know that it's happened. You know, it, it's just sort of, you know, and, and of course, if you're going to do that, like he says, you have to have some funny stuff in between or you have to have some drama in between. There has to be other things going on so that they don't catch on that. Oh, every laugh line is also a plot point. You know, there has to be things happening around it. But but that's how you camouflage it. You camouflage it by letting the genre, <laughs> by letting the you camouflage the plot points by making them entertaining. You know. Which is that is true mastery, I think, and it's so hard to do. And I honestly wish I had better examples, but I think Billy's so good at doing this that sometimes I don't even catch them. You know, you know, I wish I had examples from this movie or from some other movie that, that which is why I had such a hard time figuring out where to put this because it it was something I knew had to be in the. You know, in our semester, I couldn't let this semester go without not giving you that, but it just needed the right place. And I never could find a good place for it because I think he's right. I've probably swallowed a ton of plot points from his movies and not even realized that I've done it. You know, there's just this there's this ease in the storytelling and it just kind of just unfolds and, and, and there it is. And then it's gone, you know. Um, but that that that's something we should all strive for is is camouflaging everything now that's all i have for this class session of of um <laughs> that's all i have for this class session of hitchcock university next up we have the front page and then we're going to top it off with fedora and buddy buddy um as of today i can't promise this is how it's going to be but as of today i'm looking very strongly at doing um a semester on Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. We'll do kind of a combo thing like we did with Tarantino and Rodriguez. Except like, I think it'll be, it probably won't be as evenly balanced. There's only about three to five George Lucas films that I actually want to talk about and that I think he can teach us something from. Um, and I feel bad for that because I feel like the minute I say George Lucas, a lot of you are like, oh, I don't want to learn anything from George Lucas. We forget that George Lucas was a revolutionary filmmaker. And I'm sorry. We're going to get into that later. I'm distracting <laughs> from this. Anyway, that's all we have for this class session of Hitchcock University. If you would like to reach out to us, you can email us at hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com with any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, whatever, um, especially concerns about George Lucas. Feel free. <laughs> you know, I would really like to know if 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 the most if the majority of my audience has 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 no interest in in a George Lucas in, in any George Lucas episodes or very little interest or 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 has far more interest than even I expect. Um, that's all we're um, and, and and if you don't want to reach out to us on uh, on email, there's always the Hitchcock University Facebook page, and then of course there's um, there's on Twitter. You can tweet us at as well at. Uh, at Hitchcock underscore U as in university, all lowercase. Um, thank you again so much for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. I have been Taylor Bickle, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks so much.